Today on Sexually Woke with Dr. Susan, I'm speaking with Stacey London, who we all know as one of America's foremost style experts, famous for the TV show What Not to Wear. Stacey has made a pivot into having a new business called State of Menopause, supporting menopausal women everywhere. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Sexually Woke with me, Dr. Susan. And I am so excited to have a really special guest with us today, Stacy London, who all of us know. I think I watched every single episode of What Not to Wear, and then I watched them all again because I have two 16-year-old daughters. And so I, I feel like I've known Stacy for many, many years, and we actually just connected in person about six or nine months ago. So hi, Stacy. So great to hi, have you here. Hi, Hi, Dr. Susan. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, so excited to have you. So we have all this amazing stuff in common. One thing we have in common is that we both started having horrible, awful menopause symptoms when we were 47. We're more or less the same age. And then another thing we have in common is that we both did a pivot to change our careers into focusing on strictly on menopause. Um, So we all know that you have this incredible career as a style expert icon, your TV history. But what happened uh, to cause this pivot? Because now um, many of you know, and some of you don't, that Stacey's now the CEO of this incredible company called State of Menopause. And you can check it out online. Why would you do that? Like what an incredible (laughs) change. What happened? Why would you do that is a great way of asking that question. Well, I let me start by saying that um, I still love everything about style and everything that I've done in my career so far. But, you know, I had a real revelation when I went out to L.A. to pitch a show about middle age and menopause and intergenerational mentorship. And, you know, what happens particularly to women and those who identify as women when they get to menopause chronologically, you know, by age and not by surgical or medical or, or gender affirmation menopause. Um, because I had read an article in scientific American that the lowest point of happiness in a woman's life is between 45 and 54. Mm. And I don't think that's by accident. And I was feeling like there was really something to talk about in terms of what a middle-aged renaissance could look like. Uh, Certainly something worth talking about on television and, um, and to talk about what kind of transformation takes place at this stage of life, as opposed to somebody in their 20s or 30s who's you know, maybe learning how to express themselves, you know, via style um, in a different way in, you know, knowing less about themselves. As we age, we certainly have more wisdom and experience and certainly self-awareness. And um, I was roundly rejected. I was met with a lot of like, why would you want to do that? Who's going to watch? And it really, it really sent me down this path of, well, this is what I want to do. And this is who I want to talk to. And I had already, unbeknownst to me, started experiencing perimenopausal symptoms that I didn't even know were related to perimenopause. Mm. So um, what, what did you notice? What, what happened in your case? I've told my story on this podcast lots of times, but for it was sort of, I don't know, tragic. Is I, there isn't even a big enough word for it. I thought everything changed. My life just turned upside down. And I was a gynecologist. I am a gynecologist. I was a gynecologist who knew that this would happen, but I was completely surprised. It was so much yeah. more than I thought it would be. Absolutely. Uh, and in, and you're a doctor, right? right? You'd, I mean, think, you'd think I would be expecting it, yet 
I well, wasn't. No, not even yeah. that you'd be expecting. I mean, just imagine a lay person mm. like me, right? I I first started to experience um, mood swings that were really terrible. Um, didn't know at the time that that was a decrease in progesterone. Mm-hmm. Didn't know any of the things that I know now that I've, you know, done, done some homework. Um, and then, you know, I started to have hot flashes. I started to have brain fog. I had terrible insomnia. I didn't have weight gain at first. What I really had was weight gain redistribution. Mm-hmm. So my whole life I'd been sort of an hourglass figure, whether I g- gained weight or lost weight, but all of a sudden I had the menopause middle. Um, I, I just, I felt uncomfortable and like, I wanted to jump out of my skin all the time. And I had two bookends to this experience that I realized that so many menopausal symptoms you can dismiss or explain away Uh, on their own as something else. So for example, I had pretty significant spine surgery in 2016 of December. And then in January of 2017, I got my period twice and then I never saw it again. And then uh, I thought that I was having all of these kind of traumatic responses to the surgery, Mm -hmm. right? I started to feel like of course I had like a, a half a new spine of titanium and I, I thought, wow, I'm, I'm experiencing my own mortality. There's, you know, traumatic stress on the body. And then as that took 18 months for me to recover from, and while that was happening, I was experiencing more and more perimenopausal symptoms that I attributed to the physical trauma of the surgery. And yet as I got better and stronger from, from physical therapy, my father got very sick and I took about a year with my family to take care of him. And then he passed away and I started to have more symptoms that I thought were related to grief. Mm. Um, I started to have food allergies. I started to have skin rashes. I started to have heart palpitations, all of which I thought were in relation to things that, you know, my dad would have gotten a rash. I would get a rash he would throw up from something and then I would throw up from something completely unrelated the next day. I had no idea that any of these things were related in any way to perimenopause. Now, physical and emotional trauma probably threw me into perimenopause or perimenopause made those traumas worse. Mm. I have no way of knowing, yeah. but I know that all of those things made me feel like I was experiencing a real mental health trauma. Yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the fact that I'd looked pretty much the same from like, I don't know, about 32 to around 47. And then all of a sudden I just didn't look like myself anymore. Mm -hmm. My skin started to drop and get really, really dry. I started to get jowls. I started to have joint pain, muscle fatigue. I started to feel just so uncomfortable in my skin. And As I was experiencing all of this, I was asked to be the beta tester for this brand, State of Menopause. And I was so excited to be a beta tester because I thought, oh, you know, finally, there's something somewhere. Somebody is listening um, and realizes that, you know, not everybody can necessarily go on hormones. Not everybody has insurance. Not everybody can afford it. All of those things. But most importantly, just that there was something easy that I could do to feel better in my skin. So I became a beta tester for the brand before it uh, went live, and I was a very noisy beta tester. I had I had uh, comments about everything. I had input about everything, about the texture of the products, the feel of the products, the efficacy of the products, the packaging, all of it. And when they decided to sell the brand, 
I decided I should buy it and acquire it, meaning that I had the lion's share of equity in the company. And I felt that this was a way to talk to the same people that I wanted to talk to on a television show and a different way to communicate with them. And having a product line made it really easy to enter this conversation, not with more questions, but with you know some solutions. I, I acquired the company in January. We launched it in April. And it has been remarkable to see how great the needs of this community are and how desperate people are for help and information. Well, we are desperate. And I just think this is so amazing. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out yet, the State of Menopause line is so cool. It addresses every aspect of what we feel in menopause from being hot to having joint pain to uh, insomnia to all the things. And um, and we're just getting started. And they're beautiful products, by the way. Uh, I, do you have a favorite product? My, my favorite product is the body oil, which I will confess I use not only for myself, it's also great for like intimate oil. I told Stacey it's got an, another purpose you can use it for. The, these are beautiful products. Uh, so check them out. Um, I don't know of another brand that's really, you know, targeted so much on menopausal women's needs. And it's so important because I, everything you're saying resonates so much with me as a physician, because you're exactly right. All of these menopause symptoms could be just because it's such a difficult time of life. Our parents are getting sick and dying. Sometimes we're developing illnesses of our own. If we have kids, they're getting older and leaving. Our relationships are changing. Often our careers are, we've reached the top of the mountain and don't like the view and doing a reevaluation of what we want. And so, and then God forbid, if you went through menopause last year, you know, with COVID as well, like are these symptoms from those things or is it menopause? And you're right. You can individually write off every single one of them. Every single one. Right. And, and I, and we do sometimes. And yeah. I think because um, medicine, it, one of my favorite things to complain about is that Western medicine is so siloed that, you know, you go see your neurologist and they tell you that you have a problem related to neurology. And then you go see your psychologist and they put you on an antidepressant and nobody's sort of putting it together that, hey, if this happens between 45 and 55, at least a good chunk of it's got to do with hormones. I mean, maybe not everything, uh, but often yeah, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, I think that Unfortunately, you make all the right points here that we are at that stage. I mean, middle age has never been an actually more correct term, right? I keep saying, look, our lifespans are getting longer and longer. We're going to be older a lot longer than we're going to be young. And we could be in some stage of menopause for a third to a half of our lifetime. And mm -hmm. yet we, we know nothing about it. And we, as women, I think, tend to dismiss our symptoms because we are caretakers, right? We are worrying about other people most of the time. And especially in middle age, just what you said, our parents are getting older or they're dying. We're taking care of our kids or they're leaving home. And my friends at the fancy agency, it's an advertising agency, call it um, the sandwich generation mm. because we are stuck in the middle of two incredibly difficult things while having hormonal changes that we can't explain or understand and that make us feel like we are losing our marbles a little bit. And for me, this was all so important because the stigma around menopause for a lot of people is this idea that you're past your expiration date, right? That mm -hmm. you're no yeah. longer vital, that somehow no longer being able to bear biological children makes you culturally and socially irrelevant, which to me is just a load of like crap. 
And we have to, and I think, you know, Dr. Susan, you are certainly going a long way to not only taking the stigma away from it, but creating solutions for people to experience this midlife renaissance instead of a crisis. And in some cases, I really do believe in actually in all cases, we kind of have to have the crisis in order to get to the renaissance, right? This is an awakening. This is a recognition that we are moving into a different life stage with a zillion opportunities with the age and experience and wisdom that we have. Instead of looking at this as like, oh, some terrible disease, which menopause clearly is not. And it's also not a death, right? I mean, we have all this time left and we need to figure out how to use it constructively. We need to prepare younger people for what is coming so that once you can manage your symptoms, I don't even like to call them symptoms, effects, impacts. Um, Heather Corinna in her book, What Fresh Hell Is This?, talks a lot about the fact that calling symptoms of menopause symptoms makes it feel like a disease, Mm, right? These are the impacts of this stage of life can be very jarring if you don't know what's coming. But if you do, then you have agency over them. And that for me was the biggest thing, not just being able to have products that offer some relief. And we, we are over the counter rapid relief. So we are completely compatible. If you are taking hormones, some people still have, you know, menopausal symptoms regardless, or sorry, effects. (laughs) Um, I, I still make the mistake even if they're on hormones, right? And so you want all of the options and all of the information available to you. And frankly, there just isn't enough education surrounding this stage of life. And it's partly because I don't think that we think of it as an opportunity. We oh, think of so it true. as some sort of right, you know, punishment. Yeah, it's that's so interesting. And I got so excited about that that I wrote a book about it because that happened to me, where I, I was really looking at the second half of life like a slow march to the grave. I, you know, even as a physician, had zero education about menopause. And many people are surprised to hear that gynecologists who you might approach to be experts in this field know absolutely nothing about it unless they've done some postgraduate education. In the OB-GYN residency, our education on menopause is like about an hour maybe, which is at least when I was a resident, you know, 20 years ago, it was uh, write a prescription for Premarin and send them to a sex therapist and give them some Astroglide. Like, there's nothing we can do about that. It's just shoo them out the door. But as a field, you know, menopausal medicine just didn't exist. Um, yeah. So it's it's and, and, starting and, 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 to get a little bit better, but it's still not the norm. You know, your average gynecologist isn't going to be very helpful. And I admit I right. wasn't very helpful until I went through it myself. And similar to what happened to you, I mean, there's nothing like going through it yourself to realize like, holy shit, this is not uh, a joke. Like this is really life changing, earth shattering time. Yet we can reframe it. um, And you and I have both done that, I think, to be this amazing field of optimism, which is the way I see it now. But yeah, I fell into a gap. I I didn't have any care for myself and just recognize how little uh, information I had to offer my patients. So, you know, women like us, I think who are really focusing on menopause as a as our career and teaching and educating it's so important you know half the people in the world live for half of our lives in the state yet uh, so little attention is given to it so i'm just super excited that this is what you're doing you know one of the things that i felt really strongly about cuz people will say to me all the time talk about silos right you go mm. to one doctor for this you go to one doctor for that yep. i think it's also the way that we perceive people we put them in boxes or we put them in categories and 
a lot of people have said to me, but you're a style person, you're a fashion person. Why would you do this? And the fact is I spent all my life in my adult career telling people, look, you know, if you can look better, you're going to feel better. But what I realized as I age and I become more concerned with my health is that if you feel better, you're going to look better. Mm. So I'm just, I'm just inverting that process. You know, all of these things are about self-esteem, self-acceptance and self-awareness. That has been my concern as a stylist. That is my concern now. What I don't like having experienced my own existential crisis that brought me to decide to run this company was really that, you know, women are always put in the position at any stage of their life. And certainly when it comes to their health, um, that they are either seen as a success or failure, right? I'm, I hate the idea that we are reducing women to their reproductive health or their reproductive capability. And when we talk about the fact that, you know, not just perimenopause, but let's just say infertility for a second, that we talk about success and failure and performance. Mm -hmm. All of these words are so loaded as if it's a woman's fault. And to me, that is a very dangerous road to go down because we have certainly proven, you know, way beyond sociobiology that women are worth much more than whether or not they can have children. So at this stage of life, I think it's so important that we start to talk about women of worth at their age, at this age. And we bring so much experience and wisdom that has to be shared with younger generations. And, and, and by the same token, I think younger generations are sharing their experience and their, their new concerns around, you know, race and gender with us and what it means to be a fuller human being. So, you know, there's a lot of learning here to do. It's not just these you know, women who come to this biologically between 40 and 60, we want to have this conversation so that men understand what's happening, so that our kids understand what's happening, so that it's not so scary when you get here because you know what's coming. Mm -hmm. The worst thing for me was feeling hit like I got by a Mack truck and nobody told me, nobody told me that I was going to get hit by a Mack truck. It's a lot easier to prepare. You know, you can, you can, shrink wrap yourself in bubble wrap or something <laughs> when you know that something's right. going to hit you hard. There yeah. are, you know, preventive measures you can take in order to prepare. And that's what really upset me was that, you know, you even mentioned COVID during COVID questions about menopause. If you look at Google analytics, went up 350%, we are asking these questions because nobody is giving us answers and that is now the needle is starting to change. It is starting to move. Doctors like you are starting to make this their business and understand that there are women and women identified people who are suffering. Um, and I think that that suffering is unnecessary. There are companies like Electra Health, which are publishing things like the 21st Century Guide to Menopause. Um, all of these things, I think, are incredibly important when we look at education and community. Mm, it's also interesting. So many amazing things to pick up on what you said. Uh, I'm thinking about my 16-year-old girls, and I have twins, and um, the amount of preparation that went into preparing them to have their period. They were so ready for their period. It was a party. Like, I mean, they'd been talking about it for years, and they'd had all this education, and it was so different than when I was young because I didn't get any education about that. Um, but, you know, totally different. Their, their youth is so relevant. And, you know, in our culture, I think we— uniquely undervalue, I'm not just going to say elderly people, but 
people of a certain age who have wisdom or other cultures, you know, revere their elders. Um, we don't do that here. Like, like you said, we sort of push them out of the picture as soon as they have any wrinkles. And uh, so, I mean, that really does have to change because it, it's such an incredible time to be. And I, I'm 54 and I um, had tr- traditionally skipped my birthday. I was embarrassed about my age. I don't know why it was something I was taught to do, but this year I wore a t-shirt saying 54 and fabulous. And I, I felt it like I, you know, I'm excited to be 56 and 60 and it's just a, a completely different countercultural state of mind, but we can Absolutely. all, we can get there. Um, and, and I, I hope we do get there as women because we're worth it. Um, like you said, Stacy, I mean, this just idea of innate worthiness that isn't related to fertility or, or weight or, um, or youth. Have wrinkles or anything. The other thing I love is I I completely see the correlation between what you have historically done with style and what you're doing now. I mean, it just makes perfect sense that I've always I always loved I love your show so much and I still watch it and my girls love it. The the way that you inspired women to feel their best and to show their best self and to have a increase in self-worth of whatever size and shape. And there were a lot of different ages of women on that show. Um, so I don't think this is very different, really. It's just a different approach, or at least I see it that way. I'll be honest with you, you know, at, at the show, I don't think we ever did anybody older than I think 51. Mm-hmm. And we used to get questions all the time. Like, why don't you do older women? Why don't you do silver foxes? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we were told that, you know, by the channel that that wasn't what people wanted to see. And frankly, again, I think that that just reinforces the idea that, that there's, uh, we're being invisibilized at a certain Mm -hmm. age. And, you know, I, I, I also believe that this is an incredible opportunity for us to talk about, um, the value and worth that we have at this age, but, you know, people romanticize the idea of being old, old, right. They romanticize that idea of being a little old lady with your partner sitting on a bench, holding hands and how cute it is, but nobody wants to age. And the fact is we have like a lot of cosmetic, you know, tricks up our sleeves now, whether it's Botox or fillers or facelifts or even Instagram filters that can make us look younger. But that doesn't take away from the fact that you are going to age no matter what you do. And this idea that you're saving off death with Botox is just nonsensical. My feeling is I am not, I have no judgment. I'm like, do whatever you want make yourself look however you want, but come to terms with the fact that you are aging and really value that for what it is, because you aren't dead until you're six feet under. And in the meantime, you've got a lot of living to do as Sammy Davis Jr. would say. (laughs) Yeah. And this is, this is true. And you can feel this way too. I certainly didn't feel this way when I was in my early forties, but you know, this, this state of mind of optimism and this open playing field of being able to do kind of what the fuck I want now is amazing. Like I I didn't have any wisdom when I was 20 or not very much, you know, I might've looked cute and didn't have any wrinkles, but you know, now being 54 and having some wisdom and understanding my body and having some self-awareness, you know, this, the quality of my relationships is much better. You know, I, I take hormones. So I think prior to that, no one would have said my moods were more stable, but now my moods are more stable. (laughs) You know, I can, I can sort of be the flagpole and not the flag in situations. It's just, a, it's such a higher quality way of living, I think. And I really do appreciate aging and I'm not, I'm sort of looking forward to it. And I've, I've worked with so many women who've made that transition as well. 
Um, so we know it's possible. So I just, just to uh, say to anyone listening, if you're not feeling that way, you're not alone. Stacy and I both didn't feel that way either at first, but it really is possible to make that transformation within yourself to have your best life over 50. Cause I'm, I'm living it for sure. I mean, it's, it's real. You can, and you have to understand the things that happen when you go through menopause because many of them are unpleasant. So I want to talk a bit more about these products because they're amazing. So there's a, there's a bunch of products. I can't remember how many. I have them all at home. They're 12. There are yeah. 12. Yeah. Yes. And they're all fantastic. And so so you can look at those on the website and they all address the different uh, symptoms of menopause in beautiful ways. And there's more to state of menopause coming from what I understand yeah. as far as yeah. not just products, which is amazing, but really addressing menopause from a holistic point of view. So what? So we're, bu- we're building our, our website as we speak. We, we obviously launched with our shopping site, but our blog is being built. Um, and, you know, I can tell you, Dr. Susan has written some great pieces for us, all of which will be on the site because we do want to be a source of education. We do want to be a source of information. And we are starting our newsletter soon, which will be not just about like all of the studies that we're seeing. And look, I am very much at this stage of my life about collaboration. And I'll tell you that when I was growing up, right, even in my 20s, and I consider growing up in my 30s as well, I was taught to be competitive, right? As Mm. women, we were taught there's only one job or there's only a group of us who are going to make it to the top. You're going to have to fight your way and this and that. And for me, I don't really believe in that anymore. Of course, like I want my my company to be successful, but I want to do that in a collaborative way. I want to do that with women my age who understand the value of this age, the value of themselves and the value of what we're talking about. So that's not just doctors, that's other companies that are creating menopause products. There is such a need uh, in this community. There could be hundreds of companies before we would satisfy everybody. And, you know, there are very specific things like, you know, I know, um, Dr. Susan, like you really do understand the, the sexual component of this much more than I do, but I've learned a lot about vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, painful sex, things that, you know, uh, I have not experienced yet personally, but I definitely experienced the decrease in libido, things that made me feel like, God, who am I? Mm. You know, I, I'm, I've loved sex my whole life. Like what happened? And, you know, you start to feel, um, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a little bit dead inside. And these are things that really sap your energy. These are things that make you question yourself. These are things that make you feel less than. And we have to understand them for what they are and what the options are in terms of making yourself feel better and feel desirable. All of these things are part of an awakening. It's not an ending. And, and, and I don't want to be too earnest about it because like, look, the only thing I want dry in menopause is a good martini. And <laughs> yeah. you know, that is really important to me as a person, as, as a person who I am. And what I realize is that, you know, I lost a lot of my identity, not just my agency, my identity in menopause. When I started to see and feel all these physical changes, I really had to let go of the person I used to be in order to become the person that I am and in order to become the person that I will become. And that means letting go of, of all of the things you used to do and re, you know, approaching them in a new way and reevaluating them. 
Yeah, and it's such a beautiful idea to reinvent yourself. And it sort of sounds a little bit cliche, but that really is what we're doing. I could, it, that's a beautiful idea of, you know, we are letting go of our old self and the, that wonderful, joyful part of youth is is perhaps over. And then there's another phase that can be even better is something, it's sort of a 180 to, to think that in our culture because we've been taught forever that once you're over 30, 35, then your value starts to go down. But this idea of collaboration, I think, is so important. I've just developed in the last few years this real understanding of the importance of having female friends and mm. and other women to talk to. Because this idea that you expressed about how we're, you know, becoming dead inside or losing parts of ourselves that we identified with, I think the scariest part of that to me was that I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to about it. And of course, I felt I thought I was the only one that I was alone and all my other friends were fine. But opening a space like you're opening with state of menopause uh, as it's going to become in the near future, um, you know, through things like this podcast and books and places where women can find out that they're not alone and that we all share some version of these feelings. For me, just felt so freeing. I was like, Rob, really? Like, you have that too? Like, uh, something about that's so uh, connecting. And I think you're, you touched on, our, you know, our culture is so competitive. It's that, you know, that scarcity mentality that women are supposed to be in competition with each other. So I'm not going to tell you if something's wrong with me because, you know, I, I'm trying to get it one up on you. It devalues me yeah, and, right? and overvalues somebody else. Yeah. I, I completely agree. But that fear you know, uh, somebody like Brene Brown, who's been talking about shame mm-hmm. is, is a perfect example of how vulnerability is becoming our strength. And the idea of being able to talk to other people about what's happening with you, to be honest, to be truthful, to be transparent has a lot to do with this idea of tribalism, right? Just what you're saying, you find your people and you hold on to them tight because the idea is that once you are able to speak the same language, I mean, this is true for any group. This is uh, like AA or anything Mm -hmm. else where you find people who speak the same language as you. You feel that much better about your own experience knowing that you're not alone. And we have not seen that very much heretofore in terms of uh, women uh, allowing their weaknesses to show, right? That somehow that even, that makes us even less than, you know, if you think about this whole society as patriarchal, right? Women are are second-class citizens to begin with. And then if you're admitting to flaws or faults or not feeling like you weren't the best mom or you weren't the best daughter, or you weren't the best sister, all of these things, we are constantly saying what we're not. Mm. We are never kind of repurposing that into what we are. And you were talking about the, the kind of joy of youth. There is the joy of youth, but there's another kind of joy to be had now. And it's the idea that we're placing a value judgment on what joy is better. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous mm-hmm. to me. Joy is joy. And however you find it is how you find it. What I think matters is that menopause feels hard when there's nobody to talk to and there's no education about it and you feel like you're alone and isolated. But the minute that you realize that you're, it's not hopeless, you're not helpless and that it does actually have an end, that you can begin to see this as sort of like a, a period in which you are becoming, 
right? That you are becoming something new. And I'll tell you that a lot of, most of my friends who are over 50 are like, I still got it. Like, I don't need to be 25 to feel fabulous. I love who I am. Most women really do understand that at this age, they know who they are. They know what they like. They know what they want to buy. They know who they want to talk to. They know who their friends are. They know who they want to date. And they're kind of tired of the rest of the shit, right? They don't need the same kind of validation that we need when we're young. And that's what's so important about this. The problem I think with menopause and the menopausal experience is we tend to doubt ourselves and what we're going through and forget that we know who we are. And, you know, that's why these podcasts and products and conversations are so essential so that we don't feel alone and that we remind ourselves of how powerful we are. Yeah, that's so important. I think in the work that I do, I, you know, just seeing patients in the office, for example, uh, you know, certainly there are therapies that I offer, you know, hormone replacement and products like yours and other things. Uh, but I would say, you know, the average patient would probably say maybe 80% of the benefit that they experienced from seeing me was just understanding that they're not alone. Just like hearing from me and, and other women that, oh, yes, I had that too. And that this is, you're not crazy. You and I both thought we had Alzheimer's. I did. I I couldn't remember my phone number on a couple of occasions. It's like terrifying. So I thought, I thought I had cancer. I thought I had Alzheimer's, maybe some other list of horrible diseases. And I'm, I'm a physician, but just couldn't believe that this could be something that other people shared because no one was talking about it. And, and it's getting better. Thank goodness. I was thinking about my mom, who's um, 88, actually her birthday's tomorrow. She can't remember her menopause, but my sisters and I backtracked to when she was about 50 and we were teenagers. And, um, remembered some incidents where she would just stand up at the dinner table and like throw a plate against the wall and then go to her room. And uh, so, and my dad at the time, bless his heart, would say something like, mom's just having a moment. Best thing to do is just leave her alone. You're clear. Right. But, you know, but how so sad. I just, now I'm thinking the poor thing. She was in her room by herself and nobody talked to her. And then nobody asked about it or said it. We just like, don't talk about that because it just was not okay to talk about. So the degree of suffering in that generation is just hard to even uh, imagine because it wasn't, you couldn't talk about it at all, you know, in the yeah. 1980s, 70s. So you know, my mom, my mom is uh, going to be 80 in the fall and, you know, she had a radical hysterectomy and never told me about what she experienced with menopause after that. I mean, it's so funny to me because she was so proud about, you know, being in the second wave of feminism and burning her bra, but she didn't want to talk about burning up. Right. Mm. I mean, it's, it's hilarious to me, but the other thing that I find so interesting and so important is, um, there was a, a study done by Bonafide health and they said that 73% of women do not discuss their symptoms, mostly because they do not feel that there are enough products out there that speak to them. Mm. And that's another reason for, to start a, a line like this was, it was so important to me to get people to start talking about what they're feeling in order to find ways to ease that suffering. And, you know, suffering may be a strong word. Not everybody has uh, as severe symptoms or effects as I did, or maybe Dr. Susan did. But the point is, is that 85% of postmenopausal women say that they experienced menopausal symptoms, 85%. And that may be even higher because a lot of people don't even report issues that they're having because they, they are embarrassed to talk about it. That is a lot of people. And as you said, Dr. Susan, it's like half the population, 
how can we ignore this stage of hormonal health when we're all about talking about puberty, pregnancy, infertility, postpartum, this is somehow the thing we're going to just not talk about. Mm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And again, I think it's still tied to this idea of a woman's worth. And, and we have so, you know, we are so in a society that, that even now with gender inequity, with all of the pay inequity, things like that, that we are still trying to prove our worth in so many areas. Menopause should not be an excuse to treat people badly. Mm. It should not be an excuse to ignore people's, you know, effects or impacts. This should not be a reason. We should not give society a reason to treat women even worse than they do right now. Yeah, you know, one thing that I see in my profession is, unfortunately, doctors, I think, have a lot to do with this because we get invalidated when we go to our physicians and uh, maybe we list some of these symptoms and are told, oh, well, um, just take an antidepressant or maybe just go see the sex therapist. You know, as you know, a lot of the symptoms of menopause can mimic depression. So, Mm -hmm. so commonly patients have misprescribed antidepressants when they need well, something a, else. So you feel and, crazy. And look, if you, you know, you were saying the silos of doctors, mm. right? You go to a therapist that they may prescribe an antidepressant. You go to your OBGYN and they may, you know, I, I had an experience where a doctor told me use it or lose it. Mm. And I was like, what does that even mean? I mean, I, I'm telling you that sex can be painful and, and, and you're telling me use it or lose it and it'll get better. Like there have to be other options. And this idea that we, again, are treating symptoms singly in individually, instead of looking at that bigger picture, how Mm -hmm. are these symptoms connected? How are they all related to the same thing? Nobody's really cracked the code on that. And it is important that when you go see your doctor, go with a list of your symptoms, go with a list of the things that are bothering you because your doctor may then have a clearer picture of what's happening to you. And, and thinking that you can only talk to your gynecologist about sex instead of, you know, wow, I'm also experiencing brain fog and I can't sleep may give your gynecologist the information that she needs to say, Hey, I don't know that you're just having a problem, a vaginal problem here. You may be experiencing menopause and there may be more that we can do for you. Mm. But, you know, it's also, I mean, again, the onus is always on us to be our best advocates. And for me, that meant learning what I needed to say, going to my doctor with a list of symptoms or situations that made me feel uncomfortable and a list of questions about what I could do. The more you know is the more you know. And the more you go to your doctor with, the easier it is for them to help you. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's absolutely true. People like you and I might be a little bit stronger, so to speak, that we might have a little easier time advocating for ourselves. But there's a a large cohort of women who might not have the experience uh, speaking up or might have been conditionally taught to not do that. Um, You know, certain cultures where they're not invited to disagree with someone in power, so to speak, like a doctor. I mean, many of us mm-hmm. our age or older were taught, you know, whatever the doctor or the priest says, you just do it, right? You don't ask questions. So if you get invalidated by a doctor or two, you're probably not going to speak up again. I think that's absolutely correct. I, I think, see that know, all the time. Like, if I get shut very- down, I don't want to ask again. It feels all yeah. awful. Yeah, it feels awful. But, you know, I think, and it's really interesting. I just sat on a panel with um, psychotherapists from Tate Psychotherapy who was saying that's exactly part of the problem is that, you know, we don't advocate for ourselves. We think that we are, you know, a doctor's word is gospel. And, you know, look, you may not have gone to the right doctor. You need Mm -hmm. to listen to yourself. You need to understand that what you're feeling 
is completely valid if you're feeling it. And if that doctor doesn't understand, it means going, you know, you need a second opinion, a third opinion. You need to find somebody who is speaking the same language, just like you want friends and family to understand what's happening to you. And that's, again, that idea of tribalism. We need to stick together. We need to advocate for each other. And if you have been conditionally taught not to speak up or, or not, you know, contradict your doctor or anybody else, you need to find somebody who can help you. And, and that may mean confessing to a friend what's going on and having a friend help you find the right person. But it is about admitting your truth always, no matter whether it's menopause or anything else. The minute that you can be vulnerable and transparent about where you're at, the easier it is going to be to find the help that you need. Yeah. And that, I just think that's so important. If you, I totally agree with you, Stacey. If you, if you go to your doctor and you've got a list of uh, symptoms and feeling awful in all the ways that we've described that can sometimes happen when we go through this hormonal change and the doctor says, well, you know, you look great. Your, number, your numbers look fine. Your blood pressure is good. Right. You're, you're fine. So you're fine. And you're thinking, I don't feel fine at all. I really do have to listen to your own body. And it's hard to seek another opinion. So I think these systems of education, like the one that you're establishing through state of menopause, are just ways that women can educate themselves without just having to rely on whatever they find on Google or chat rooms or things that might be less than helpful. Um, right. It's so important. That's um, kind. You're <laughs> kind to say less than helpful. I was like erroneous. There's so much, so much nonsense. factual, right? Yeah, mean, there's, there's so much crap on the internet. But, you know, it's important. I, I completely agree with you that it is really important to find sources of information that are legitimate um, in order to be, you know, sure that you're getting the kind of care that you need. And, you know, this is why, again, Dr. Susan, like I applaud your work so much because it is essential for people to feel that they have a doctor that they can trust with these feelings and with this, um, you know, insecurity really about what they're experiencing. So many people dismiss their symptoms because they simply think they're not valid enough mm -hmm. to, you know, require care or conversation. Yeah. And that's just not true. It's yeah. just Patently not true. It's not true. And, you know, you deserve, we deserve to live our best life. And if there's something limiting that, you know, but let's go find a way around that. Um, so I'm really fascinated with how state of menopause is going to grow. Can you tell us just a tiny bit about these 12 products? And then how are yeah. you? So then the second question is this amazing new phase. And I'm so excited about this educational platform about menopause. Like, how do you find the people to really make sure you've got the good information so that this could this could be the place that you go to find out about yes. menopause? Look, we've done some serious vetting when it comes to uh, doctors that we're willing to have right for our site and who uh, can contribute to the site. Part of it was that we were looking for doctors that have a specialization in menopause or some phase of menopause, right? Whether it's sexual health, um, you know, whether it is uh, even queer menopause, how that affects non-binary people. We have looked for people who specialize and whose work, obviously, we could corroborate against, you know, other medical studies or whatever has been done and the latest and greatest kind of in innovation. For us, that's incredibly important. And the products that we started with, we started with skin because it's the first thing you see, right? That, that was the first thing that we realized. Like one of the things that I felt so dramatically 
was that I just started not to look like myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that is a scary feeling. So we wanted to make sure that there were things, I don't even call them skincare, I call them topicals, because I think that they are much more directed at how you feel. And uh, the benefit is that you look great, but the byproduct is really about how do you feel? How are you feeling right now? So we have products for cooling, whether they're hot flushes or hot flashes. We have products for hydration so that your skin maintains a level of hydration that, that where, you know, water and moisture bind to the skin. Um, that for us was very important. It helps keep your skin plump and looking younger, more youthful and healthier. And I don't, I, again, I don't care about being young. I care about looking good for your age. Like that's what matters to me. It's what matters to me in style. It's what matters to me in your health and wellness. And then we realized like the other thing that started to happen for me was that I had a lot of muscle fatigue, a Mm. lot of joint pain. So we developed products around that. That's even for tingling um, fingers or toes. Like some of, sometimes your, your uh, extremities will start to tingle. So we have Arnica and we have CBD that is directed specifically for that. And then now we're working on strengthening hair hair and skin and nails. We have things like biotin, but more is coming down the pipeline very, very soon. And also kits are coming very soon. I don't call them kits. I call them my edits. My, mm-hmm. my I edit my product into groups for you. Um, if you're looking for something very specific, and again, on the site, it's stateofmenopause.com. You can shop by uh, category. As I said, we have cooling, hydration, rest and renew, which is, you know, uh, for pain relief and strength, which is about strengthening your skin, your hair, your nails. Um, but you can also shop by symptom. And we do not cover every symptom yet. We are going to check off every symptom that we can, that we can do with something that is rapid relief, that is over the counter, that is not contraindicated with any other product you may use in your regimen or hormone you may use. We want something that is your first line of defense. When you are hot, use our cooling spray, right? Instead of having to worry, I think about it as like you have a headache, you take aspirin. You have a cut, you put on neosporin. You should be able to use us and find us in that same way so that we are your first line of defense. And when you go to Dr. Susan, then you know what you're talking about because you've already found symptoms to explain to her about what's going on with you. And as I said, our blog and our newsletter are about to be launched. And I'm so excited about that because we do want to be a source of information for you. And also, as I said before, we are collaborative. If we don't have a product, but we know a company that will help you, we will recommend it not to get the rev share, not to get like paid, but because the needs of this community demand that. And we want to make sure that everybody gets the help that they need to get through this stage of life in, in a positive way, in an empowering way, and not in a way that, you know, you're suffering in silence. Yeah, that's, that's so great. I love it. And so just just to say, I use these products and I take hormones. And so you can take hormones or you may choose not to, but you, we still need to address issues with our skin, our hair and joint pain. You know, hormone replacement can dramatically reduce those things. But let's face it, I'm still 54. My skin is still changing. I take hormones and I use these products. You know, you need both approaches. You know, we want to like Stacy said, I want to look like the best 54-year-old that I can. I don't want to look like I'm 20. Um, that was fun. But um, I don't, I, I have teenagers. I thank God I don't go back to that again. Um, this is amazing. Like I've, life is so much better. I wouldn't want to be 25 again. Um, yeah, but- I agree. And also, you know, the worst thing I think is somebody who is our age trying to look like they're 25. Like there's nothing kind of 
more upsetting to me than somebody who's trying to look younger rather than look like the best version of themselves. And that's really, you know, again, it is a different cocktail for everybody, hormones, over-the-counter products, whatever your skin regimen, your health regimen, your supplement regimen, all of that should be unique to you. And you need to find the cocktail that works for you. And I think that that's one of the things that we also want to be able to offer is just this idea of you've got to figure out what's best for you with your doctor. You've got to figure out what's best for you by trying product. The idea is that you have agency. You get to make the choices. You get to decide how you want your menopause to be and what that experience looks like. And the more that you know that you're in charge, the less you feel helpless. Absolutely. And there's some other really cool things about these products. Some of the cool things are they're surprisingly affordable, which I thought was fantastic. They're almost completely recyclable and bunny friendly and vegan and all the good things that we want for the world. And so I think that's so important. Um, You know, I've just tossed a bunch of products that I had in my medical cabinet that did not fit that criteria. And I think, you know, as a company that's... um, starting a new product line. I'm just congratulations that you found those things important because they, you know, they are important and I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to put things in my body or on my body that don't meet all those criteria. So it's, it's, it's really important. Well, look, I mean, your skin is your biggest organ, right? And if you are going to put something on it, you want to know that what you're putting on your body that will absorb into your body is going to be good for you. And And look, as far as the price point, we felt very, very strongly that nothing be too expensive. Nothing is over $40. And, and, you know, there are skincare companies that are, are, are for, you know, menopause and middle age that are four times that amount. Mm. And we feel very strongly that, you know, that should not be the barrier to you getting products that will make you feel better. So we, you know, collectively decided that they had to be affordable enough for people to be able to get access to them. And honestly, we're also trying to work with organizations where we can donate product, where people who can't afford them, who may be um, dealing with menopausal symptoms from surgical or medical uh, or gender reassignment effects are, are able to have them regardless of whether or not they can afford them. So, you know, for us, this is, this isn't a mission. It isn't a movement. It isn't a fad. It is the way we should be moving through the world. And certainly younger generations, we want to pave the way for them to make this almost um, an irrelevant conversation Mm -hmm. so that we already know what we're doing, right? We are trying to pave the way. So this is no longer a taboo issue. There's no stigma around it. It is a natural phase of life like anything else. Yeah. Well, I really think because of of people like you and, and your company, State of Menopause, that women young women like my daughters who are 16 are going to have a completely different experience. I, I really believe that they will. And Amen to that. Yeah. And thanks thanks to what you're doing to help that to happen for the younger women. So I know uh, we're running out of your precious time, but what is, what's the big future for State of Menopause? What do, you, do you see other things that just sound oh, so yes. exciting? I mean, all I can say is that not only do I have a very large, very long product development roadmap, people, so get ready. Um, you know, I see what I'm building as a menopause ecosystem, Mm. that you should be able to come to us, not just for information, not just for product, certainly not just what I would consider to be in the beauty category, you know, as in topicals or hair products or things that aren't just uh, functional. But I think that, um, well, I can promise you that you're going to see things that are much more related to style, 
much more related to home. So we want you to feel like this stage of your life is the opportunity to reinvent and reinvigorate who you are. Mm, I love it. I'm so excited to talk to you, Stacey. This is amazing. And uh, what you're doing is incredible for women everywhere and for women who are younger coming up. Uh, we're just going to benefit so much from what you're doing. So check it out. Um, State of Menopause. It's amazing. And Stacy, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Susan. I loved it. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye. 